I remember turning up one morning and um, there was all the roses apart from me and Brown basically crawling around on the floor looking for the pot they dropped on the floor the night before to run another joint. <laughs> Welcome. We are Neil, Luke and Dave. 340-somethings reminiscing on the runners and riders of 90s guitar music. We look at the bands who soundtracked our youth on both sides of the pond and interview some of our heroes from the bands that defined a generation. You'll hear about the good, the bad and the ugly of 90s guitar music. This podcast is stupid and contagious. Episode 23 of the Stupid and Contagious podcast. 23. A slot. <laughs> it's, it's nearly 25. Prime number. I don't think I know what a prime number is. I bet he fucking does. I bet he does. It's just one of those really good numbers that are really, you know. Like a prime minister. The best number. The prime, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm just trying to explain it in a way you can understand. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I got, I've got it now. I couldn't understand it at school, and now, now it, it's there. Appreciate that. You should be a teacher. Tim Dorney from Flowered Up and Republica. It's a good one. A really interesting interview coming up. But before we get into that, what's everyone been up to? Shed 7 and number 1. Hooray. Oh, it's yeah. a great album. The 90s are back, baby. I'll tell you, right, I watched a Britpop documentary last night, but it was made in, I think it was about 2012 or something. It might have been, actually, it might have been sort of late 2000s. And it was banging on about how all of the Britpop bands had disappeared apart from Oasis, which was probably true at the time. And it was all bands like Athlete and all those sort of bands. Athlete, yeah. It said that, you know, Britpop's, you know, all those bands have disappeared and now they're all back. Shed 7, you know, and... Cast have got a new album out next week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So They forgot about the 30-year cycle. They did. They did. What's your, um, what's your opinion on the Liam and uh, John Squire single? I think it's all right. It sounds exactly what it should sound like. It just sounds like Liam singing a, a Stone Roses song, doesn't it, really? It's it's got a stone roses sort of lick. It sounds to like it, they're trying it? to make like you know Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or something, right? And I think I like it too. It's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of criticism. Um, I I like it. Everyone was always going to criticise it, weren't they? Because it's open to that sort of thing. I saw you slipped it onto the uh, mixtape last week. <laughs> I did. It wasn't even mentioned. Well, she, Lainey mentioned that she, she bumped into Liam at a club. and he She was did, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah you're was, right. Uh, so it was on my mind and she mentioned Liam, so. It was a tenuous link at best, but, yeah. It's good enough. But, yeah, no, I, I, I like it. It is what it is, you know. I'm, I'm looking forward to, if there's an album, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, I mean, both of them have made worse records in there. In their solo careers, right? So it's yeah, yeah, I it's all right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I think it's good. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting how the whole Britpop thing has come back around. But it wasn't predicted in the two thousand sort of thing. They just thought Britpop, um, all those bands are gone. But no, mm. they were plotting behind the scenes for a comeback. Well, yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, you could get into the kind of the boring kind of demographics of it, but it's. Um, I guess it's what happens when people reach our age and they start they start uh, having you know disposable income again, and they start going you know buying music from from their youth and things like that. You know, I was going to say like nostalgia sells, but 
it's not nostalgia because the Shed Seven records is a good album. It's you know it's as good as anything they released. So it's it's not nostalgia. It's just a good record. It is, but I think you do you do still need sort of the nostalgia aspect to to get the record to be popular and for people to buy it. You know. Sure, sure. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you, what I watched this week um, for the first time since it came out. Um, uh, singles. Oh, it's good, isn't it? The grunge movie. Is it shit? Well, who's <laughs> <laughs> in it? Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon's the actor, and yeah. um, various um, various members of it's grunge bands. Alison Chains kind of in it. Alison Chains play. Like, Pearl Jam are like like his his band, so they have a few lines like Eddie Vedder and. Like Chris Cornell kind of standing there, like trying to look surprised. Um, mm. Do you know? I I liked it, but it's the kind of film I like. You know, not not a lot happens. Nothing happens, um, does it? Nothing happens. No, but I like those kind of films. So I, I, yeah. I it wasn't very wasn't good as such, but I, I enjoyed it. It's kind, it's isn't it? Kind, I, I remember it as kind of like a rom com set to sort of that scene. Is that? kind of what it's it is it's not even a rom-com but yeah it's kind of like follows the the romantic lives of these people that live in this in this flat this block of flats basically and um yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed it it was cool seeing um you know the super young uh you know grunges in there it was good was it set in seattle yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's all yeah uh... and so he's got like a fake band called citizen dick and they got a single "Touch Me, I'm Dick," which is, which is funny, you know. I think a lot of the these sort of club scenes, they, they were actually, they did actually use the clubs that the bands used to play out and stuff. So I think it is quite yeah. authentic. And I think there's like um, the sub pop guys that kind of pop up in it briefly as well. And yeah, it's kind of um, yeah, it's, it was yeah. Fun. I'll have to give it a rewatch. All right, I'll, I'll do that. Right, let's let's get on to this week's. Uh, the subject of this week's episode, which is Tim Dorney from Flowered Up and then Republica. Luke, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on Flowered Up? I will. Up? Again, I don't have too much this week, mainly because I didn't have much preparation time. Um, but we'll go through it. Do you, want my, do you want the Wikipedia description first? Of the band sound, Flowered Up band sound? Indie pop alternative dance. It's really lazy. It's just put loads of different words in it. I mean, I just said, uh, my, my notes just say baggy. That'd do. London baggy. They're like the ultimate baggy band, right? Yeah, I'll go with that. Formed in 1989 in London. Um, he talks about it in an interview, but basically um, two brothers, uh, Liam and Joe Mayer, and some other working class oiks, as uh, he kind of describes them. Um, yes. And Tim joined a bit later on keyboards. And... Um, yeah, started getting press straight away, um, basically. Mm. Um, again, I won't give too much away. He talks about it in an interview, but yeah, getting on the covers of, you know, NME and Melody Maker and all of that pretty early on. Early band on Heavenly uh, Records as well, who seem to keep coming up in this podcast, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Heavenly Records. Yeah, it's a, it's a big player, right? Heavenly. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of singles on that, yeah, around 1990. Their only album, uh, A Life with Brian. That's a pretty bad title, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's not their only album. They had a best of album that was exactly the same. <laughs> so I apologise. I apologise. <laughs> they had a best of album, but they only had that album. So I don't know what they put on the best of album. <laughs> well, they had other singles, right? Yeah. Um, 
1991, reached 23 in the charts, which is pretty good. And then after that, um, a few more singles, basically between 91 and 94, including the big one. Weekender, isn't it? Weekender. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, it's fun, funny enough, I was just browsing through Facebook yesterday. I saw something pop up from Toby Fogel. Remember Toby Fogel? Yeah, our friend from school. Yeah. Mm. And he... He just, I think he just put Weekender or something, and then everyone has sort of commented that he'd, he'd been listening to Weekender. So he said he's tuned in. He might have lied, but I don't know. He said he was going. Okay, so that's one listener. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <Pretty> good. <laughs> oh, on listeners, my sister listened to the Jesus Jones episode. She's only listened so to one, one more listener. One episode. Did she yeah. enjoy it? Yeah, she looked, she was a fan of Jesus. Well, she didn't listen to any of the other ones, so no. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's good, man. Say thanks. Um, so, Weekender, 13-minute psychedelic, jazzy, baggy masterpiece, basically, right? Oh, that's good, yeah. I like that. Thanks. <laughs> Did you make that up? Yeah, yeah. That was my own description. Pretty good. It is a masterpiece. It really is, yeah. Bloody is. It really is. I think it's just one of those songs that captures a moment in time and a, a scene. Lyrically brilliant. Well, there's a great tradition, isn't there? Especially in kind of um, English guitar music of, you know, that kind of live for the weekend uh, attitude, you know. And it's it's it's, a, it's great. I love, I love it. Perfect, pretty much, isn't it? It's, it's a perfect track to the weekend yeah 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 and it's yeah it's one of those you know it's a, a staple of kind of working class youth culture to talk about that and sing about it and uh, yeah just, just yeah. Dave was it had you heard it before or, or not until we sort of came up with this yeah I, mean, I, I heard the song I mean it was quite I mean I wasn't a fan then I didn't really know who they mm. were at the time but definitely heard the song around that time like they said, it yeah. was it was quite high in the charts when it twenty. Yeah, yeah, top twenties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I hadn't watched the video until now. You know, that's oh, good, right? Video's great. Did you watch the yeah. full the full fat kind of? I think eighteen I think it was minute. Eighteen version. minute. Yeah, yeah. I watched mm. that one. Yeah, and then I watched um, the I Am Weekender documentary as well. Oh, did you watch it? I, I I really wanted to. I didn't get I didn't get time to. Yeah, it was on Amazon, Amazon Prime. It was on. Ah, uh, it's not on my not on Japanese Japan Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. You got to watch it. Um, so it's basically it's about the making of that video, right? It's about the making of the video, but interspliced in it all. I don't know if that's a word. Interspliced. Tis it's, now. Um, it's like uh. Other players from that time, like Sean Ryder and people like that, just talking about um, Flowered Up and the scene at the time. And it's just, mm. yeah, it's, it's like a, a oh, documentary man. about the band, but talking about the making of that sing, uh, of Weekender at the same time. It's, yeah, it's really right. good. Really good. One of the comparisons that keeps coming up is Quadrophenia. Have you seen that? Yeah. And they have the, um, they got the sample from it at the end. That sample at the end, you can take your Franken machine and stick it right up your ass. That's from Quadrophenia. Ah. That's right. Yeah, there's the link. No, yeah, you've got to watch it. It's really good. But the the actual video itself is, will. is a masterpiece on its own. 
Do you know it reminded me of the um the prodigy smack my bitch up um video? Yeah, yeah, like a first person sort of view mm. of what's mm-hmm. going on. The night out and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. One thing that confused me a bit was um the director was called Wiz and the lead singer of um That's right. Oh, what's it called? You go on, Dave, you can get it. You hate it. You're always slagging them off. No, I'm not. <laughs> but it's not the same wit. It's not the same person. No. It's not. No. No. You wouldn't have thought there'd be two people called Wiz. And the and that uh, Wiz bit. Wiz bit. Paul yeah. Daniels. Paul Daniels. <laughs> Can you do a Paul Daniels impression? Uh, you like this? Not a lot. <laughs> but you like it. That was good. I mean, nothing like him, but it was good. You try it. Not a lot. That was mine. Oh, that was better than mine, Luke. Thank you, thank you. Neil? Not a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That was ridiculous. (laughs) Well, you managed to win the... You managed to win the beatbox battle by not participating. And when you do finally participate, we see your true colours. Well, we'll we'll let the listeners decide. I think they might it. Uh, so basically, not they, they they split up in 1994 amongst various drug problems, and um, yeah, this is a, a story with not a very happy ending, I'm afraid. The the documentary sort of covers that as well. The whole oh, does it? That's good. That's yeah, good. yeah. It's uh, it's just sad. It's a really sad story, isn't it? Well, I'm sick of this story of people. Destroying their lives from drugs. Right. It's getting right. me down. Um, Frontman Liam, he died in 2009 from a heroin overdose. And his brother Joe followed him a few years later in 2012. It didn't say directly yeah. that it was from drugs, but uh, I, guess I think it was. It was a result of yeah, health complications from years of, of you know, of, of drug abuse, basically. Um, Dave, why does it get you down so much, man? Well, because just the the sheer numbers of significant creative people in music that have just ended up dying way too young. It's nearly always heroin, isn't it? I mean, what's the, your life expectancy if you're getting into the music business in a band? Your life expectancy must be about 30 years less than everyone else. But it's also interesting, right, because everyone thinks about, like, you know, like um, heroin being like the grunge drug, but it was super prevalent in the UK, especially Britpop um, as well. It was it was everywhere, you know. It wasn't just in, in, yeah, uh, surprising, in Seattle, you know. Well, tortured souls, isn't it? That's, it's, it's a... It's a... The story well, it's ongoing. not always that, is it? It's just, it's just, it's there, and you got money, and you got fuck all to do, no yeah. responsibilities, and you're treated like a fucking baby, you know. And you know, I like, I like, like the '80s uh, hardcore scene in the US. Like the biggest fear then um, was um, was dying in a car crash because they toured so much. What? There was the the, the you know <laughs> statistically weird. the likelihood of dying in a car crash was really high for '80s hardcore bands, and and they did. You know, that's weird. It, again, it depends on the context and the music and whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. but if you think about it, if you're on the road driving a, a shitty van, you know, for nine months of the year, there's a high likelihood you're going to get in a car. In the sixties, right? in the sixties, there's a, a lot of musicians died in plane crashes. They don't really. That doesn't really happen anymore. But plane safety wasn't so good, right? 
Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. Guess so. So it's yeah. Depends on a lot of things, you know. See, I I got introduced to Flat Up quite late uh, when I went to university. My my friends at university introduced me to them. So this was like '95. It was all over by then, but um, only just. It, yeah, but I was instantly hooked on that. It just the vocal. There were just sounds different, doesn't it? It's just it is quite unique. Mate, you, oh, everyone so can't have a distinctive vocal, dude. You claim everyone does. <laughs> so why why do you think his vocal's distinctive? It's just it, it's the way he sings, isn't it? It's, it's very unique sound. <laughs> it, his S's and stuff. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> You're the one that claims it every week. Now, now we're on it, and you know, and I don't mind mentioning it before the interview. A new word he he comes up with for that kind of voice. I'd never heard sibilant. You hear it a lot in um, when you make music in product, music production and engineering. Sibilance, yeah. You have to get rid of the sibilance on people's vocals. It's the S's, and most of the time your S's are really prominent. So when people mix tracks, right. they try and try and take that out. A little bit, so it's not so in your face. Oh, I tell you, equivalent, Damon Albarn. Yeah, he has. He's got like a weird. Yeah, he has got like a not a. He's, he's got something going on with his speech, hasn't he? But it's different from having a lisp. Like I've got, I've got a lisp. Is it different to that? I didn't didn't want to yeah. bring it up. I'm glad you. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I'm very, I'm very. Lisp is much worse. Not, not that I don't. I <laughs> just... You can't. <laughs> But a lisp, What's that's an actual deformity in your mouth, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're missing some What's part it? of your, your mouth. Stop <laughs> doubling down on my humanity. <laughs> What's the difference? No, a lisp is like you can mimic a lisp by just going thirt instead of sir, lisp. But the sibilant thing, you can't, you can't fake it. Maybe Luke's been faking it all these years. Just, I'm just trying to, to sound like Damon <laughs> Tim um, forms uh, Republica with Saffron and a few uh, other people. Um, how would you describe Republica's sound? Or what? What? How do Wikipedia describe uh, Republica's sound? Techno pop punk rock. I saw another thing where they described as disco metal. I think it was the Americans that remixed it with guitars. Yeah. That's how that came about. Yeah. But then they kept them, so I mean, I'm yeah. going for electro pop. So that was uh, in '94. They formed just as yeah, flowered up. We're going to disintegrate in. They had yeah, well, basically two huge singles uh, ready to go in '96 uh, and re-released in '97. And Drop Dead Gorgeous was uh, even higher. Got to number seven, so top ten hit. Um, so huge, massive singles, right? And they get they still get played all the time, everywhere, right? So yeah. 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 Two albums, uh, self-titled Republica in 96, hitting number four in the charts on the back of those singles. And then Speed Ballads a couple of years later in 1998. That's it. Basically, he talks about it in an interview, but lots of label trouble not being released in America, all this kind of stuff. The band yeah. kind of broke up in 2001, uh, reformed in 2008, and they've basically been kind of touring sporadically doing festivals and stuff um yeah they, yeah they did the festival circuit since now yeah here's a little tidbit from wikipedia did you know that saffron featured in the video for chesney hawks is i am the one and only 
No, I didn't. And that's one of my favourite songs from that era. I love that song. Here you go. I'll have a look later. Thanks for that. But I'm not putting Chesney on the fucking playlist again. It was on there a couple, two weeks ago because of, because of Smash. I'm not putting him on again. Put one of his Sorry, other songs Chesney. on. Sorry, <laughs> 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 Chesney. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's have a listen, watch the interview. Tim Dorney from Flowered Up Republica. Enjoy. Hi, Tim. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, firstly, how's it all going? We've we've uh, both well. been we've both been uh, admiring your little setup there. You look like you're yeah, a, my little facility in the in, in your the happy place, place, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> my man cave. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive. It's impressive. Uh, well, so I've obviously, never said anything. I think that's always been my motto. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's clear from uh, from that room that you're still a. Uh, Active in the old uh, music. Oh, very much still... more so than ever, to be honest. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was looking well, at the schedule over the summer. It looks like you've been pretty busy playing festivals and stuff. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, most weekends have been one or two festivals, sort of up and down the country. Um, yeah, we seem to be in the Cotswolds for a lot of time, but <laughs> one tiny little area of England, we seem to be there. I think there was about a month where we were doing festivals about 10, 10 miles from each other every time. Big in the Cotswolds. Yeah, big in the Cotswolds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one that stuck out for me was Rebellion Festival. That's um, yeah, an that interesting one to play. Mm. Yeah, because, well, it's punk history as such. Yeah. I mean, we didn't expect them to... Uh, to come on board for us but um no they, that was a really good gig actually that was uh end of the day uh last people on in the um in the opera house there and that, yeah. no, it was yeah. uh we, we didn't get to see many other bands unfortunately because we cause it's quite the track i live in windsor and it's quite the trek up there from here okay. yeah. my, my image so, of rebellion is like 82 punks basically so it was uh it's interesting uh see. yes Absolutely, yeah. Blue Mohicans everywhere, yeah, yeah. t-shirts, uh, tartan trousers. Down with that. A lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, guys in their 50s. I mean, the ones who obviously weren't punks but like the music. So that like they'll look like an IT professional, but, but they'll have the UK subs t-shirt yeah. on sort of thing. Yeah. There's quite a lot of that as well. My favourite kind of punk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the covert <laughs> ones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sneaky punks. <laughs> <laughs> so is that all calmed down now? Is that over for the summer? Those festivals? Yeah, we've not got a gig now for, I think the, we're doing the O2 Islington in London in November for Republica. Oh, wow. uh, we've got about two or three Republica ones left this year. And I've got two Tin Gun gigs to do as well at some point. And um also I set DJing at Shine On Festival as well, which should be quite interesting. Oh, are you? I've... We might yeah. might be there. We're not sure yet, but uh, we did it two years ago. It's, it's quite. We call it Northern Northern Accent Fest because everywhere you go, there's just variations mm. of a Northern accent. But uh, it's big. It's big now that festival, though, right? It's, it's yeah. No, it's, it's, it's twenty a... twenty thousand plus. Like, oh yeah, probably fifteen twenty thousand. I think it's up to now. So it's a whole Butlins full of, full yeah. of people. <laughs> Us people like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mostly Northerners, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I've been to um, 
I used to um, film like a scar festival up at the one in Great Yarmouth. I think it really yeah. works having everyone on the, on the campsite and then just, I think it's just a really great way to spend it. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. Once you get a sort of genre or a, or a movement like that, I think it's great for the yeah. bands. Because it means everyone, rather than going to 10 gigs, they'll go to one. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. great. I think but, it's, <laughs> it really like works. It really works. No, it's a really good one because we got the um they're showing the flowered up I am weekend mm. film there. Oh really? Um, mm. Yeah, that's oh, been shown on I think it's the Saturday. So we're doing that. Then I've got to do like a half hour QA after oh, that. Great. And then um I think me, Anna, and Des are DJing for an hour and a half in a room somewhere. <laughs> Should be interesting. <laughs> well, that leads us nicely into a flowered up. Because um, mm. obviously, obviously, you know. People were Asian Republic as well, but you were also keyboardist in Flowered Up, Flowered Up, right? I was the sensible one in Flowered Up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've always been a middle class twat from from Windsor, so uh, to to hang out with a bunch of nerdwells from North London council estates was always it was always going to be an how interesting. Did, mind. Yeah, how, how did that happen? Yeah, how did that um, come about? Well, I used to work with. Uh, a DJ called Andy Weatherall. Um, I remember Andy Weatherall. From school. We, we went to school together. He was a year or so above me, but... Oh, really? We were both banging our music. That, that's and... interesting enough. <laughs> yeah. You went no, to we, school we, with Andy well, Weatherall. Yeah. I mean, I've, God knows where they are, but we ended up doing... I used to have a port studio and a couple of little synths and that sort of thing. We ended up doing, like, 1988 time. We were... 87, 88. We were knocking up some demos on the port studio oh, really? with Andy. Yeah. But then by That's the time started... do you still sorry you carry on i mean uh, what kind yeah. of music were you making then with those kind of things oh we, we, we were, at that time we were into like nasty rocks and sort of uh populate itself and that sort of side of things really it was before acid house yeah but yeah. then so once the acid house thing started and he started djing a lot um then he started getting the remix work but he didn't yeah. like it, he had no technical knowledge at that point so i came along to sort of this is a sampler. This is like All right, put your record on here and you record it into the air, and then we do this with it. And so I did a bit. He owes his entire career to you. I don't know. I know. I think I was just stoned in the back of the room most of the time. Once you go, <laughs> came on board, once he'd done the primal stuff, it was, you know, I left most yeah. of it to Hugo. I was way better at it than me. Yeah. Well, so I cool, worked, I worked on an East India. Company mix, um, the grid, uh, flotation. Oh, right, uh, the grid, swamp thing. Well, that was a great thing. Yeah, yeah no, it wasn't swamp thing. Yeah. I toured with the grid after that, actually, with Republica. Yeah, on the same label, right? Yeah, we were on deconstruction, yeah, with Republica. Mm -hmm. Flowered up, it was just, um, yeah, no, that was uh, just bonkers, that one was. But with that, back to the Andy Weatherall business, yeah, yeah I did yeah. a couple, four or five remixes with him. And um, they just left him to it, really. But he gave me a call about a month later and said, oh, there's a band looking for a keyboard player in North London, and would you be interested? So um, off I went up to rehearsal up in uh, Elephant and Castle, it was. Yeah. And uh, the rest is pop history, really. I just sort of joined from... Sort of, yeah, through what some what was your impression? Yeah, what do you think met? when you first sort of heard I was it? absolutely crapping myself. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> just basically a bunch of hooligans is this, this look. I think even the, it's first, quite, it's, the first one, Joe and Liam had a fist fight. 
Oh, really? <laughs> well, we're going to ask about that. You know, brothers, brothers in bands is, you know, the brothers in bands. Oh, yeah. I mean, how much of that went on, those kind of fights and all of that? Yeah, a lot. A lot, yeah. Not so much between the other members of the band. It was mostly the brothers just like, he looked at me funny, I'll go and get him sort of thing. It was... But that's, over that's over what kind of thing? Over what kind of thing? Oh, nothing. Uh, yeah, like he looked at me funny, or uh, he stole my beer, or that sort. It was that sort of just, just brothers typical brothers, brothers, right? Yeah, total brother stuff. Yeah, no, no, they loved each other, really. I think. Yeah, of course, of course, that's yeah. part of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's all part, part of it. Part yeah. of it. What did you see? So you walked in. What, what did you think when they sort of started playing you the music? What, what I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it certainly had a. It, it was sort of what we were all listening to at that point. Or starting to head in that direction. I mean, Joe was very much into the Who and Jimi Hendrix, so the guitar side of it was a lot heavier than sort of just the sort of baggy wah wah sort of thing that was floating around a lot at the time. So yeah. there's always a bit more of a rock element to it. And John the drummer always thought he was Keith Moon as well, so there was a quite an element yeah. of that. But we, like, once Liam started singing, it was like, well, it sounds like shit, but he's got something. So. Uh, yeah, just persisted with it, really. I didn't do Ian Brown any... any uh... I, was, I was so nervous that first time around anyway. It was just like, was, like July 1, it's just... I mean, I'm no, I'm, I'm not a trained keyboard player. I still have to count up from C to work out bloody which chord I'm playing these days. It works, it works, it works. So it was more just... Well, it was blundering in the dark, and that was what we did for three years, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, I mean... But did you always no, play keyboard? Is that is that where you? I mean, were you established as a keyboard player? Yeah. Is that what you did? Yeah, I'd, yeah, I, I got my first keyboard, which is still sat down there. Um, when I was on my fifteenth birthday, my mum took me up to London and bought me my first keyboard. I always so wonder I always... about that. We we spoken to a couple of keyboard players, and I always think you know there are no like keyboard gods to look up to, like there are guitar gods and things oh, like that. Oh, is it Dave Greenfields and like? Jules Holland, if you like a bit of piano, he's like, yeah, you listen to the uncertain smile, that's still some of the best bits of piano I've ever heard. So, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there are still people to look up to, but I mean, I'm, I was never a big Rick Wakeman fan or anything like that. But you're Dave Greenfield's of this world, and I think it was more probably programmers, I would say, than it was. It was more Brian like Cox, Gex Alex, and those sort of people of the world that. I was into the ones yeah. that drove the Fairlights and the Sinclavis. That was where I aspired to be. Yeah. Who else were you listening to? So you mentioned those. Who else were you listening to, like, when you were a teenager? Um, you into? But around, well, I sort of came up The Cure, Prefab Sprout, um, Sisters of Mercy. Not, I wasn't a goth as such, but I, was, I still had my foot in the, in the electronic pop side of things as well so i'd also like clock dva i'd like throbbing gristle i'd like cabaret voltaire um yeah loads of all sorts of things like that grew up mm. all the electronic side of things but with i mean with the cure and p for spout are just some of the best songs written as far as i'm concerned um no, i agree yeah scrutiny politi things like that i've always had a foot in the pop bit and a bit in the in the dark as well mm. Mm. yeah shows yeah yeah <laughs> so in the you rock up <laughs> you rock up you do your audition with flowered up was it was it did you have to wait around to find out if you had the gig or was it pretty so no no they said no like come back because at that point we started rehearsing two nights a week 
So that was, I think right. it was Tuesday. Like, right, come back Thursday. Yeah. So we carried on, and I think it was the third run through. We, they only had about four songs when I first yeah. joined them. Yeah. So the second time round, it was a bit more of a jam thing rather than learning the songs that they'd already written. And then after that, really, it was just getting down to the nitty gritty of writing more songs. And sort of, I'd bring in a riff on the piano, Joe bringing something on the guitar, or we'd just jam yeah. for hours and something would come out of it that way. It, was, it, it works in various ways, much as it does with most bands. There is no fixed and fixed yeah, yeah. right? However, the, yeah, the new right. you really. Did you, um, when you first heard that vocal, were you like, fucking hell, this sounds a bit, bit weird? I mean, it's yeah. very distinctive, isn't it? Uh, it's I love very it, distinctive, but... but I like the lyrics as well. That's the thing. It, it, yeah. It's very much of of Liam, uh, very much yeah. of that time around. It, it was it was their lifestyle. It was their upbringing. It was about drug dealing. It was about people stealing things. It was about... Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was They're just stories, I mean, aren't they? Liam was one of those people who used to have the... the Suitcase full of cassettes up Camden Market, but selling all the bootlegs mm. and stuff. I did that for years. I can imagine that. So, yeah. Proper yeah, so the lyrics were from that sort of street urchin type type vibe. Really. Yeah, yeah. But you were like one of the uh, the very the only few kind of baggy bands not from the north. Yeah, basically. that's right. Did you think did that make you stand out? Do you think? Um, well, the thing was, they knew them all anyway because Terry, who was our road manager. He's he, he he toured with the he used to be top top of Heaven's uh, roadie back in the days. Oh wow! Mm. But he also knew the Mondays and the Roses and all that from way back from when they used to go up to Manchester to start off with back in the early days, pretty much before they'd started. So, so did you feel part of the scene? Anyway. Yeah, he was always part of the scene with that lot up there anyway. So we got to meet them through them. When they they used to come around to Terry's whenever like they'd be down. I'd, I remember turning up one morning and um, there was Manny. There was all the roses apart from me and Brown basically crawling around on the floor looking for the pot they dropped on the floor the night before to run another joint. So, <laughs> so you, you were actually part of that. You were part of that scene then, really? Although you were yeah. in London, you were part of that scene. We were still part of it and we knew them all. I mean, Northside we played with a few times. We had a few. We had a, I still keep in contact with Northside as well. Oh, great. Yeah, because I, I, I always remember that. Like, I mean, it was just sort of like, oh, Southern fucking Happy Mondays, all that business. But <laughs> I was going to say, was just, when we, I felt... we, were, we weren't trying to copy them. We were just, it was just the way yeah. it materialised. You, you, yeah, you when I get people with the dance influences and the rock influences in the, in the, in the same room, yeah. you're going to be heading in sort of pretty much, the, especially if you come from Hazard House because you like the beats anyway. So, yeah, it's sort of our influences were pretty similar to theirs, I think. Yeah, when I first got introduced to Flowered Up, I must admit, it, someone just said, oh, here we go, this is the uh, this is the London Happy Mondays. I was like, yeah. okay. I think, yeah, it's a bit of a lazy sort of... Uh, it is a bit late, but why? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like Republica getting lumped in with Britpop, do you know what I mean? We never quite fit yeah. it, but, yeah. but the tag yeah. stuck. So uh, Exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. But no, if, you know, Flowered Up, they definitely had a, a unique sound, I think. I think that's... Uh, why their popularity is still today i think it's well it, it was quite is, unique right it, it's coming back <laughs> yeah I've just remastered the album so that's oh really been, uh yeah that's been brought up because i we were never happy with the overall sound of it i couldn't remix mm. it because okay 
but I've remastered the album. And when's that? Uh, and you've done it, have you? I I did it with a friend of mine, Streaky, who's a professional mastering engineer who does some stuff for me. But I do I do do mastering as well. And yeah. for the sit so it's coming out on vinyl with the full album remastered with Weekender and one of Weatherall's mixes on vi- on a double vinyl. Oh, wow. wow. Nice. And then for a CD to, for the CD2, I've completely remastered, I mean, really gone overboard on it, on redoing all the remixes, all the B-sides. Kendo done by Beyond the Wizard's Sleeve, which is Richard Norris and Errol Alcan. Um, we've had a remix of Cracker Jack done by everyone you know, which is great, actually. It's a real sort of... Oh, wow. Sort of housey Balearic type, but quite fast version. That's pretty mm. good. So there, there's yeah. lots like there's that coming and and going and going into the process of this. So the London the London Records catalogue is owned by a company called Because Now, and now they own the rights to it. They wanted to sort of re-release it and mm. do this. That gave us access to the London Records vaults, which has all the masters, artworks, videos. Oh, okay, see. So you didn't have that before? We didn't have access to it, no. And then we got access to the Sony one as well for Weekender and Better Life as well. So they've mm. given us access to those. So we managed to get hold of the master tapes. Unfortunately, there was only certain ones that we could get hold of the multi-tracks for, i.e. Weekender, mm. um, Better Life and Cracker Jack are the only ones we could actually get master um, multi-tracks for that still exist. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds like a real. Yeah, that's. I think they're starting on a campaign around the end of February, uh, end of March. We were aiming to get it out for November, but everything's taken a little bit longer to get together. But we're now looking at sort of ramping things up from January onwards for a March release, by the looks of it. That's great. That's really great. That sounds like a real labour of nice. love, though. It must have taken like ages. Uh, it's taken quite a lot of time. I mean, the, the remastering the album we did in a day. I went over to. A, his professional studio and it, it, it had, it, we had to work with the masters that already existed so we've only sort of embellished and mm-hmm. put a sort of a more of a modern sheen on it and made it a lot louder because it was it was cut as a very quiet vinyl the album mm-hmm. so now it's a much deeper cut and i've got i've had temps, test pressings through and they sound amazing they sound really good mm-hmm. it was just that chance to like really just get there and put it all in a place where it's the best it could be. So there was bits yeah, we right. were never happy with and bits we'll never be happy with that we couldn't fix. But everything that we could fix, we've actually gone in very deep. I mean, some of them I was actually editing the tracks to pieces and EQing bits of them differently because the bass was too loud and things like that. I've really yeah. gone the extra mile on it. Mm. But as yeah, a re- back of that, we've also found a multi-track of Flowered Up Live at Bath Moles in 1991. Ah, oh, nice. Most I, yeah, a club in yeah. It was it was yeah, a club yeah, that had a great, a great studio place. attached to it, and they recorded the whole gig. Oh, and it's actually so you've a got good that. one. So I've been mixing that, and we've also found a dat of a gig in Berlin from around the same sort of time that was mixed really, really well. So we're looking at getting a, a proper flowered up live album out later next year, sometime. I think we're looking about August oh, wow. time. So it's all. Brilliant. It's all happening. I'm really looking forward to that because for me, the power of Flowered Up was the live gigs. It was like, apart from Weekender, we never really captured what we did. Oh, you think so? That's interesting. Why do you think so? Yeah, the the energy live was so much. We we just, we 
when we were doing the album, we like we Trevor horned it. You know, we just wanted to. We were in a big, expensive Neve studio. It was Pete Townsend bloody studio, and we just wanted it to make it as slick as possible. And that's really not what we should have done. I mean, if I had my time again, we spent over three months recording that album. Mm. Knowing what I know now, I'd stick that band in a room, record them live, and we'd have the whole thing done and mixed in three weeks. Yeah, but yeah. with hindsight yeah. by the bucket fall, that's the case. But no, unfortunately, that wasn't the case then. We just, we just the bright shiny lights got the best of us, and uh, when we didn't have the best guy producing it either, we got our mm-hmm. for some reason we got our front of house guy to mix to produce and to produce the album, and he just didn't do a good job. Yeah, it was only once yeah, we met a... Clive that things really started working properly for Flowered Up because he got us, whereas the other guy didn't really. Yeah. Can I ask a quick uh, music ner- record nerd question? You're one of the kind of the first bands on Heavenly, right? Um, yes. How did that? How did that, the first maybe? I don't know. One of the first. Did that? How did that come I, about? I've got a feeling flowered up. Uh, I've got a feeling that it's on was HBN One. I think we came yeah, out I, before. I was looking at Discogs yesterday. I think you might be right. Yeah. 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 I've got a feeling we came out before Only Love Can Break Your Heart, which I, I think, think so. was HBN. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you you look at. Jeff's interviewing the Iron Weekender thing. He, he just says that he, he met up with Des, and Des is like, Oh, I've got this band. They're called Flowered Up. Mm. Des, and um, Jeff said, Brilliant. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to know what it sounds like. I just like the name. And I like, I know Liam. So, like, yeah, I'm in. So it just sort of took off from there, really. Oh, wow. And it's still but, going, right? Heavenly putting out good music. All the time. Jeff's still hard yeah, at yeah. it. Yeah, he's, I mean, he has a lot of younger chaps there as well these days that that run all the day to day stuff and sort of act as act as his A and R as well. But oh, I, I get this, I get his um, what do you call it? The newsletters like every two weeks or whatever. It's like yeah. new band, new band, yeah. <laughs> new band. He's still constantly signing stuff from all over the world and licensing things. So no, he's still yeah. doing a great. Yeah. When were you going down like the Heavenly Social and all of that? Was that part of it? Yeah, well, that, that started a long time after. I mean, we're Heavenly when we first were involved were um it was Jeff had just left creation doing the press and set out on his own. So mm. he just take uh New Order. It was around the time a World in Motion came out, that sort of thing. So I remember mm. the promos of that being in the office. But the Heavenly Office then was more based around the press and it was just Jeff doing it mm. but that soon expanded and uh, they moved into they moved bigger premises in Clerkenwell then eventually into Soho and then they opened the social and that sort of thing that was that was a few years down the line that was post flowered yeah. up the so. I guess so yeah 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 but there yeah. was a couple of there was a couple of pubs Clerkenwell where all the creation lot and all the all the heavenly lot used to socialize the whole time I bet it was uh it was quite a scene back then, right? In that uh, environment. Yeah, no, it was a, yeah, I mean, especially around Soho, because um, we, I, also the connection with Andy Weatherall, I knew all the boys' own lots, so Terry Farley, Simon Eccles, all of that lot, and the magazine. So the first bit of press we actually got was was in Boys' Own Magazine, flowered up. Oh, wow. Yeah. But we used to, everyone was out of the show, everyone was out of the trip, everyone was out at this, that, and the other. It was like we'd sort of bump into people every night of the week. Spectrum, all those sort of clubs. It, it was it was very much more clubbing based then than it was a, a sort of drinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, what sort of um, venues did did uh, flowered up sort of up playing in? Was it was it at these sort of nights or 
Uh, well, actually, our first gig was at Heaven. Well, the first one I played was at Heaven. Oh, that wow. was. Mm. But they'd done three or four gigs before. They'd done the Africa Centre. Um, they'd done a couple of sort of like little gorilla ones where they just got up and did three songs. That was with a pre yeah. previous player, Simon Lovekin, who we didn't last very long. He, he left to do his own thing as Sly and Love Child. Yeah, and what I took sort of audiences were, What sort of audiences um, were they getting at that? So they were club. The, the, the first one was, it, it was part of Spectrum. It was Spectrum or one of those sort yeah. of club nights. So it was yeah. that side of it. But once we actually got out on tour and on the road, because we went pretty much straight into decent-sized venues. We didn't yeah, sort of, we, we did, we did like the Bull and Gate and those, a couple of little things like that. But on the whole, we were doing Shoreditch Town Hall. We were doing, um, once we went out on tour, it was, it was the, the standards around the country of sort of like four or 500 type venues rather than your little 200 somewhere in Winchester on yes. 59. You were getting quite a lot of press early on as well, right? Enemy cover and stuff. Did that help? Yeah, yeah. yeah. four covers before it was released. <laughs> I think. That's right. Yeah, I, re I read that. That's nuts, right? Yeah, we had Sounds, Enemy, uh, Melody, Melody Maker. Melody Maker. Mm. I think it was yeah. those three, actually. Mm. I don't think mm. we got the face. I know we had a piece in the face, but we didn't get the cover. But yeah, we had three front covers before we even released a note of bloody music. <laughs> <laughs> You must have that must you know that's 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 quite a thing. You must you guys must have been quite excited about the whole thing. It looks you know that's that's big, right? Getting all these front pages. It, it was huge, but at the time we were just we we just wanted to play. We just wanted to get in and mm. rehearse and play. We weren't really into the. It was like all right, you lot get on with that. It was like leave us to do our yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I've always been like that anyway mm. with with music. Sorry. Oh God. Oh, don't worry. It's all right, the guys. The what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Edit. Uh, What's that? When did Barry Mooncoat appear on the scene? <laughs> he was he was already there when I was there. He got up at the first gig. Oh, I was he? Was around? Yeah, he was he was there long, right at the beginning. He was he was always a face around Shum anyway. He was well known because of his Chelsea connections and. And how, how did he? How did he come? How did he come to be doing that? Did he just get up? He on just stage got up on stage at the first right. gig. He just got up and started leaning around, and, and that they, was it. They said, oh, "Come, come and come and dance on the next one." And I think at the Stick third one, on. the flower, the big foam flower to go around his neck. And yeah. after that, he was just a. Well, he was a he used to get the gear equipment round here because he was a glazier, so he had a like a big van for carrying the glass on the side of. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> if we had to so, yeah. in London, like, all That's the equipment happy. would go into his van and he'd drive us down there. But you didn't want to be you didn't want to be in it on the way back. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the I can imagine. On the way back, I think, with bits of glass <laughs> floating around in the back. No thanks. <laughs> uh, well, we've got to talk about Weekender. I mean, top twenty here. I mean, it's still crazy. Like a thirteen-minute song, like charted, like yeah. that, right? It, it it started even longer. It was, right, um, right, really. It came out of a jam. We we finished the album, and we had to go away and work on some new stuff. And we wanted to get things were we wanted to get Liam and stuff out of town, away from drugs, basically. Yeah. So I gave him some uh, nicer recreational drugs and took him to a place near um near Gatwick, <laughs> a place called the House in the Woods. And that came out of a lot. We were there for about four or five days. I think there was about three or four other songs came out of it that never got finished. But Weekender was the main one mm. that it was. We just ended up jamming it all night. 
Yeah. Then so, we mm. were going in to record with Clive Langer to do Cracker Jack as a single. And while they were setting all the microphones and equipment up and everything, we started jamming this. Mm. And they said, right, we're all set. And then like, just, I'll just play it. Like, so somewhere there exists about a 25-minute version of it, of us, just us jamming. Oh, really? Oh, wow. The multi-track of it. We can't find it. I don't know. Like, oh, uh, right. I'm going to ask. Yeah. No, that's not on the, the new... Yeah, that's we've looked for it. It's not in the vaults at mm. all. There's not, there's not a copy of it that we can find anywhere. But off the back of that, Clive said, why the hell are we working on this single? We should be doing that. Right. So he went back to Jeff and said, I'd really like to be doing this other weekender thing that they've got. So Jeff went to Sony's and they said, yeah, yeah. go ahead, go, go and record it. Do it. So wow. we spent about a week That's and a half. We had our rehearsal room underneath a cabin, Camden, that was run by gangsters. So Clyde, and Clyde lived just around the corner. So he, we for about a week, we were just sort of doing pre-production, working out. We, we had most of the other little bits. We had the sort of like boys' own clavery bit in the middle. Um, I had the, the brassy reggae bit. But we didn't have the slow section in the middle. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have a lot of the arrangement. Get uh, like right in the the bit the, the big intro into it. We didn't have that was all sorted out down there. So a lot of that was done. Yeah. So on the computer and getting everything in. It was only a little Atari back in those days with the sample, but we managed to sort of get yes. the arrangement sorted out enough to go in and just press play on that, and then everyone can record to that. So that was what yeah. we did with that. We spent seven days recording it in Westside with Clive and, and Chris Potter was in here on that. Did you sort of, did you think this is good when you were recording? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's fucking great. Yeah, it's fucking great. <laughs> it is great. Some of the great things, are, uh, yeah, well, well, we knew we loved it anyway, but. The thing is with Clive, he has such great ideas and he's also got a big book of phone numbers as well. So the, the session people that he was getting in to play on it weren't just for the sake of their names. They all brought something to the table. Right. Like Louis Jardim on percussion, who's Trevor Horn's yeah. go-to. Like, he even let me play the Slaves to the Rhythm Bell, the, the temple that... <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had him in. We had yeah. Kate and John from the Dream Academy. She does the oboe on it. Uh, mm. Don Weller, who was the saxophonist from, um, well, he's a, he's an old jazzer, but he, uh, absolute beginners, yeah. he did all the stuff on that. Mm. Uh, Steve Naive came That's in great. and played the key, came in and played organ on it, uh, from Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Uh, ah. Claudia Fontaine and Chris came into the vocal, the, the, all the gospel vocals and everything that's in it. Everyone that came yeah. in and played just, uh, it really brought something to the table. Anything that we wiped or didn't use i think out of the people that came in yeah and they loved it as well so we do had something pretty good it wasn't really until the video that we really knew we had something quite mm. once yeah, the, the video was great. married to the, married to the music that was when it like really struck home i think really and did you think we've got a hit on our hands here lads um, no, because I never thought Flowered Up would be a hit. I, did, I was amazed it got to 20. I really was. I mean, 13 minutes. Yeah. We did a radio edit, but that was still eight and a half minutes, I think. That, and all that did was take off the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But Which yeah, if, I mean, if you Google like list of like longest songs in the charts, it comes up with like mm. the Doors, the End, and stuff. It comes up in like the in like the the list with yeah, the Blue that. Room. I think still wins it, doesn't it? The, the oh, all does it? Twenty-five minutes. Oh, the Orb, yeah, right? Okay. About as long as you could get on a thirty-three at that time. So right. I think the Orb still yeah. hold that title, but yeah, thirteen minutes for getting to number twenty, I think, is pretty damn respectable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah. it's such a great song. I mean, it's it's a proper anthem, isn't it, for the youth? Uh, yeah, and it's just a great track. No, it's, uh, I love it. I love the, the lyrics in it. Are just amazing. That's just so good. It's just a great. Story. Of, of all the things I've done in my time, I mean, um, yeah, ready to go for success, but. For the kudos, Weekender has had me more beers bought for me by, than any other song I've ever heard. Uh, deservedly oh, so, mate. Deservedly. Yeah. yeah, bring that one out every time. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> the one that gets the beers bought. <laughs> um, so, yes. I mean, the, go on, go on, No, no, carry on. No, go on. I was just going to say, yeah, well, Weekender, it's, it has got this legendary status now, right? It's it's one of those songs that's... Yeah, it's... I mean, you know. With, with the video being re uh with the film that was created around the video recently um the BFI, tell us a bit about the film yeah well the, uh it started about well to start off with about four years ago the bfi decided that they finally recognized music video as an art form because to that point they hadn't they, it was all just film short film whatever they music video wasn't recognized by them they picked 10 videos going back through the years that they put some money behind, had them all upscaled to 4K, um, all restored and done. And Weekender was one of those. Wow. Oh, and the 4K video actually went out on a, on a BFI DVD about four or five years ago. It, it's been hanging around a long time, the, the restored version, but no one really knew it was there. Yeah. So um, Heavenly Films, which is... Martin Kelly, who used to, he manages San Etienne, but he also used to be Jeff's partner in Heavenly. They split and he formed Heavenly Films with his brother Paul. They started making a film about the making of Weekender with Wiz, the director. But for one reason or another, it got a bit bogged down, I think. Um, it started getting a bit arty. They weren't up for that. They just wanted something else. So they brought a girl called Chloe on board. And by this time, we're getting into lockdown. So it was decided that there'd be a lot of talking head. It, they do it around a lot of talking head and Zoom calls and that sort of thing. And that it, it, it's along with the backstage, the, the behind the scenes footage and other stuff that was put together. It's been now been extended into an hour long film. So the last 15 minutes, well, 18 minutes of it is the actual restored weekend of film. But up to that point, it's all interviews with people about flowered up as. Sean Ryder, Regine Murphy, uh, Irving Welsh. Oh, wow. All sorts of people just saying what the video meant to them and what flowered up as a whole meant oh. to them. Wow. Oh, that's great. Is that, is that being played yeah, no, for the first time at Shine, at Shine On, or is it, has it already been uh, No, we had a, the, we did a, um, a premiere at the big, at Screen One at the BMFI, which is like 450-odd seats. That oh. sold out within three days. Oh, wow. So that was a great night. That was really good. I actually, because I got hold of the weekend of stems, I'd actually, uh, I wrote a 15 minute piece of music called uh, Requiem for Dead Friends. <laughs> just oh. basically, just using the stems from Weekender. I'll send you a okay. copy. I mean, yeah, right, please. Yeah, 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 that'd be great. Absolutely. Factual reasons. But, uh, but this was being played in the foyer and before the film went on and this sort of oh, thing. Oh, wow. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it was a really great night. But they they had another showing about three nights afterwards that also did really well, and they've had a showing at uh, somewhere in Dalston, a cinema in Dalston, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And then Glastonbury was shown as well. Oh wow, it's doing the rounds. Uh, yeah, it's doing the rounds. Yeah, it's most uh, there's a, there's a showing two nights in in New York at some film festival as well. So it's 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 mostly film festivals and little showings at, at sort of your everyman type. Yeah, cinemas. Great. But uh, no, it's getting out there, and the DVDs available, and you can I think you can watch it on Apple TV. To be honest, mm. I know, I think it was available on Apple TV, and also you can stream it from VFI. Mm, mm. But I think that'd be great as shine on that. That that'd be a that'd be great, that'd go down. Yeah, really yeah. Well. that's that's the perfect audience, right? Yeah. yeah, and, the, and it, each time we get a, like a half hour Q and A afterwards as well. The first that's one great. was with Chris and Chloe that had done the film, and I think it was Anna and Des last time. I think I'm doing it this time. Mm. Yeah. We just still there in touch. Feel the questions. <laughs> Are you still in touch with with anyone from Flowered Up or? Um, well, Des, the manager, um, yeah. it's basically me and him driving this re-release thing. Yeah. The original bass player decided that unless he could actually remix the album from the original master tapes, he wasn't interested in doing, having anything to do with it. Oh, okay. Um, the original drummer um, doesn't get on with Des, so he wouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, oh, Anna's okay. involved. Mm. She's in the film. She's in the film, and she sings on Egg Rush as well. Mm. Yeah, but on the, I mean, Liam and Joe both are IP, unfortunately. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The second drummer, Andy Island, I bump into occasionally. His mum lives down my way. Yeah, but he he went on to the Pogues after us, I think. But uh, mm. don't know what he's doing these days. So when yeah. when the band kind of did come to an end, it was quite a, quite short lived in the end. I mean, did it? How did it just fall apart, or what happened? Yeah, it just. Um, even after Weekender, it was getting really difficult. Liam was not enjoying himself on bit. Hated doing it. Mm. Um, I was. I've, I've always lived out in Windsor anyway. We were. We used to rehearse up at John Henry's up in Brewery Road in London. Mm. I get in about eleven. The rest of them would roll in at three. Right, right. And we yeah. might get something done. Start we might not get something done, and then. I want to, yeah. so I go up and say, I need money. I've got to pay my electric bills. Oh, yeah. you can't. The drum came by like the wooden bottles of coke with all the stuff we had left. It's like, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. so, and eventually, it's like, I've had enough of this. I'm out. I quit. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we that's probably a change. So the original bass player doesn't actually play on weekend, this is Roadie. Wow. wow. <laughs> Strangely enough. Uh, and it's it, two weeks before. And is it right that there was kind of talk of a reunion in like in the mid two thousands, but you weren't up for it? Is yeah, that... we did go back together. Well, I did. Um, I did a thing called Greek. So I went off and did Republica after that, yeah. which stopped around two thousand. Then two thousand and one, two thousand and two, Alan McGee got in contact with me, mm. and he'd got Liam on board for Pop Tones and needed someone for Liam to work with to do songs. Huh. So we did a project called Greedy Soul. That um, there's a whole album's worth of material that me and Liam did then that never got released. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, there, there was um, Terry, who was the flowered up uh, road manager, was sort of managing Liam. 
But he was right. also friends with Alan, and they were supposed to be going off to the States doing a DJing thing, and there was a cock-up with Terry's flight tickets or something, so Terry punched out mm. one of the blokes in Optone's office. <laughs> oh, dear. Which instantly got us dropped from the label, so that never yeah. saw the light of day. So oh, that wow. finished about 2002. I was just, yeah, and it was, we got in a bass player who was a complete dick and things like It was just, it, it, that went horribly wrong as well. Yeah. In 2005... Oh. It's like, oh, um, SJM have come on. They want us to do a tour. Mm. Get back together. I'm like, no, I'm not doing a tour. But yeah. um, it was like, okay, well, we've got this festival at Clapham Common. Would you be interested in sort of getting the band back together just to play this festival? There's money in it. Mm. Mm. So I said yes, and we did. We sort of went through the loops. Joe wasn't in a good place at that time. He was living in a hostel under stairs. Mm -hmm. He left my Stratocaster on a bus one day. Um, oh. Yeah, things like good, that. And we, we managed to get, we did a couple of gigs. I think we did Coco. Um, we did the gig on Clapham Common. And I think we played at Turnmills. Okay, so you did do a few. Okay, okay. We did a couple, yeah. But unfortunately, at the... At the at the one at Clapham Common, Joe overdosed on something, and I ended up spending the night in um, Tooting Beck Hospital, missing the farm and the Mondays because I was in hospital with Joe, who was having wow. a stomach pump. Yeah. So yeah, I walked yeah. again, and it was just like, I can't, I yeah. just haven't got yeah. the strength to put myself through this all over again. And it was just that I thought of trying to wrangle that through a tour. Yeah, that's none not of fun, them, is it? That's none of them have played live in 10 years either, so even the rehearsals are just dragging them up from their bootstraps the whole time just to... Yeah, like, I think I yeah. think sometimes it's just best to leave. Yeah. You know, it was great, and it, we, we've made all this amazing music, played all these great gigs, but that was then. There was, yeah, done. there was never going to be... I mean, we managed to get a version of one of the... Two of the, two of the Greedy Soul songs we did live. Mm. Mm. And there's recorded versions of them actually as flowered up with Joe playing and mm. the, the, the whole band playing on them that have mm, never okay. been released. Oh, wow. So they, mm -hmm. they might end up as part of a package next year sometimes. Yeah, well. that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole Greedy Soul yeah. album might make an appearance one day. Wow. Right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, were, were you That's in contact with, with any of the, the brothers up until they, they died, they passed away? Uh, no. No, after the last split up. Mm. It, Joe moved away anyway. He he moved um, somewhere to the Midlands, I think, with his girlfriend who became his wife. Mm -hmm. Liam, I lost contact with, but um, he he wasn't in a good. He sort of been in and out of rehab, and when when we were doing the greedy soul stuff, he wasn't on the heroin. He was, mm. yeah, he was on tomazepams and cider basically most of the time to keep him off everything else. But, mm. but we that was workable. I could I could work with him then, but. No, yeah. once he got into the darker things again, it was no. I, I lost contact with him and just got the phone call one day. Liam's Liam's dead. So, yeah. Two years later, his brother followed him. Yeah, it's tragic, but yeah, yeah. Left Such behind some great music, I guess. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's a waste. Um, it is. Let's get on to work with him, the most most unique singer I think you'll ever come across. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think you're right. Like I say, his vocal is just. I mean, unique. Well, there, yeah, there just isn't anything <laughs> yeah. like it, is there? No. Unique's the word. It's 
It's fantastic. I, I love Very similar to what I've discovered recently. <laughs> It's quite serious. Trying to remix stuff, he's singing like fat all the time. He does do a lot of that, right? Yeah, yeah. He liked his s's, didn't he? He did like his s's. Certainly did. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Well, let's 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 talk about Republican. Then that seemed to be like a completely clean slate for you after Flowered Up. Yes, how it was. Yeah, it, there was a there was a little bit of an overlap actually. Um, I was still trying to get stuff together for. So this was after we'd done Better Life, I think. I was still it was before I quit, but pretty much after we stopped writing stuff. So I've been demoing stuff at home, and um, my friend Johnny played in a band called SFS or Sensation or Soul Family Sensation, whatever they were called that week. Um, he was doing an album out in France. And I was helping out doing a bit of programming on that. We were doing a cover version of Everybody's Got to Learn Sometimes, the Corgi song for that. So I ended up out at Mike Hedges' studio in France. And um, the guy that was engineering, it was a guy called Andy Todd. We got on very, very well. And said, oh, let's get something together when we get back in the UK. We were both like, we were, we were both moving much more into the dance sort of thing. We yeah, just wanted to, yeah. like, and everyone was just not like, do a 12 inch, sell it to a label for 500 quid, move on to the next one next week. It was very much that that period. Yeah, and that was big. where we it was big start. then, right? Yeah. Do some remixes this week, put a release out mm. the next week. That's sort all. Of, that sort of vibe. So we got together and started doing stuff. And um, at the same time, we were at a studio in uh, BMG Publishing, out a studio in in house. And we would like being freelance engineers, just going in and helping out their writers. So one week it would be Omar in there. The next week it would be L16, who's in left field. Those sort of people, but a lot of hip hop coming yeah. through there as well. But through that, um, we also, um, so we had a, the first track we had, we thought, oh, we need some vocals on this. And uh, Saffron was a friend of a friend. So she came okay. I was going to ask how Saffron came, in, came into the, Equation. Well, she was a friend. We had a, an old friend who worked at a tape duplicating company in um, Fulham hmm. at the time. Saffron was an old friend of hers, and she left. Wasn't she, wasn't she an actress? Saffron, yeah, she's a bit musical yeah. theatre. Yeah, she was in a yeah. touring production of um, Midnight Express. Not Midnight Express, okay. what they call it. Roller skatey. Um, oh, Starlight Express. Oh. Starlight Express. Starlight Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I know yeah, the yeah. Express yeah. in this. Not Midnight Express. No. <laughs> touring version, that <laughs> would be much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Something different. Yeah. Yeah, she'd done a bit. She'd done a load of that in her youth. And then she'd been in Enjoy, who had hits with Anthem and that sort of thing. Oh, Enjoy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she'd done that. Then she'd gone solo, but that album never got finished or released. Mm. She had a solo deal with Warners that it expired by the time she got involved with us. Yeah. But we knew Deconstruction were on the fourth floor, with BMG Publishing were on the second floor, and we knew we knew all the people there. So yeah. we went into Deconstruction with the tape, yeah. with Saffron, and they gave us a deal on the first demo. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh -huh. What songs were on, the, never, were on the tape? Never came out in the end. I mean, we had remixes done by Justin Robertson and that sort of thing. But then never, mm. it, it only came out as, only came out as a promo, I think, that one. Okay. I mean, like, ready to go. I mean, it was just ridiculously huge, right? Like, mm. straight, well, that was, straight off the bat. It was the second time around. 
The first time? Yes, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the original mix is much more dancey, right? It hasn't got all of those... Yeah, that, that's where we were coming from. Very much that housey piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four on the floor dancing. I really like the original version, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that stalled at 41, unfortunately, the first time around. <laughs> but, so um, what gave you the idea to chuck all those guitars in? It was the Americans. The Americans really liked the song because we, we'd been picked up by RCA over in the States. Mm. And had a great A and R guy called Dave Novick over there, and he said we really we really fancy it for a single over here, but we'd like to mix it more in the not so much in the industrial vein, just a bit more, yeah, but actually more in the industrial vein. Mm. It does have that sound like, to it. It does, yeah. Mm. Well, the guy Ben Gross who did it, he worked with Filter and a load of yeah. uh, Nine Nails and those sort mm. of things. Mm. So he came from that background anyway. So they got the remix done over there and sent it back to us. And the first time I heard it, I hated it. <laughs> I mm. couldn't stand it. I, it's I totally different, right? Us. We're a dance band. We want to be like, oh, no. <laughs> But no, they were absolutely How dare right. they? Yeah, they were right. They were right. Uh, they were history right. has proven. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. fact that it's still being used by a Chevy advert this week in the States. Is, is oh, really? Oh, there you go. It's, yes, you still hear it all the time, right? life of its own. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the, the sinks, it just it, it just keeps getting used endlessly. Mm. We've got yeah. casino chains that use it. We've got car companies that use it. We've got take brands. Oh, oh you know, uh, oh, what's the latest one that's come through? Uh, a diabetes drug that's coming in. <laughs> Ready <laughs> to go with diabetes drug. Yeah. <laughs> They're ready to go if you... Stick this on yeah. and inject this. There you but, go. I yeah, mean, it, when, just been... when, when that came out, I remember seeing um, seeing Republic. It was, a, it was called Party in the Park in Brighton. And it was yes. like basically pop acts, maybe. Festival. Yeah. And, and Republic. I mean, did you enjoy all of oh, that? I it looked so we fun. Were, it looked fun. We were on After Louise, I believe, that day, actually. That was for the local radio station, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that. it. That's it. I was there. That's a good, yeah. I was there. Good little festival, yeah. Good little festival. Yeah, we did quite a few. The, the, yeah, that was like Capital Radio Run or something like that. We did, like we that. did get yeah. into a lot of that pop sort of turn up and mime type. I mean, how did, did, that? did that? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we just, we have had a live them. we'd have a live vocal, but none of these things are ever. You're on for two songs; they haven't got time yeah. to yeah. check, set, do whatever. It's it's just for the kids. I guess. Things. I guess it's an easy gig, though, right? You just rock up and hey, they're great fun. You just you can be as drunk as you please. It doesn't matter. You're not going to go. <laughs> yeah, <around>. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who was the uh, who was the best pop star? That was that was the good yeah. days when they'd yeah. always send a send a limo for you rather than like oh well you've got to be in london for such and such a time yeah that's it. Those, the other limo will pick you up at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> did you meet any good pop stars doing those kind of gigs uh not so much those ones um the best one of those that we did we did a uh, fashion show for versace in new york oh wow and um i actually got a photo of me somewhere talking to Lou Reed and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting combo. I was not expecting uh, that answer. <laughs> Prince. Uh, we've got to meet Prince there as well. All sorts of people. What? Yeah, some crazy. We, we did Top of the Pops with Prince and the Bee Gees, actually. That was quite good. I've got, yeah, I've got to ask sad. about Lou Reed. How was Lou Reed? 
Lou Reed didn't actually realize we were miming at the fashion show. He's like, oh, you guys were great. Like, yeah, that sounded really cool. <laughs> I was like, Lou, we were miming, man. <laughs> he had no concept. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. That's yeah, so good. Fun. So you didn't, because um, obviously, Flowered Up and Republic are very different bands. You d- You didn't, you didn't mind that sort of pop moniker that Republica seemed to take on? No, because Republica from the beginning were always the band that said yes. Yeah. Do you want to go to the States? Yes. Do you want to get a remix yeah. done? Yeah. Do you want to go on this? Yes. Do you want to talk to these people? Yes. Because so many dance fans around us were so interested in just being cool and not doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, only, we'll only play New York and we'll only play LA. Yeah, well, yeah. We won't. We won't go on this. We won't do that. We won't do this. We won't do that. We just said yes to absolutely everything. I was going to say, the only thing we, uh, only pub- thing we did say no to, actually, we've been on tour in the States for four months and it was Christmas yeah. and they wanted to stay on for another 11 D. It was an advert for Mountain Dew. They wanted us to do oh, a okay, cover yeah. version of Thank Heavens for Little World. For five hundred thousand dollars, and we said no. What? <laughs> we wanted to go home. Oh, <laughs> well, man, that's, two yeah. of us, two of us wanted to stay and do it. One of us didn't. He'd had enough and decided he was going home. So the whole thing fell through after that. Oh, but, wow. You could, you would have got like a lifetime supply of plant in June. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. Well, they still make it as all But uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, so Republica <laughs> did seem to sort of bridge that gap between sort of pop and indie so they were still popular with the indie kids right it was uh yeah still yeah, we still got all... yeah well we still when we changed to start off we were a backing track band mm. we did we played over the top of dats and we sang over the top of dats didn't have a drummer mm. didn't have a guitarist didn't have a bass player we had a guy playing percussion occasionally yeah. but the more the songs went Poppy, indie, yeah. whatever. We added personnel. So yeah. We started off by uh, getting Dave Barb, our drummer in, who came from Adam and the Ants and um <laughs> Bow Wow Wow originally. Yeah. Wow. So he joined us. We've never had a bass player. We've always just used machines for that, but he he drum along to a click. Uh we got rid of the percussionist eventually because it was pointless. Yeah. And then Johnny, who I who was instrumental in sort of the forming of the band, but through the meeting in France, who I've played with since like, we were both 15. I can't seem to get rid of the bastard. Um, he joined us on guitar. Uh, yeah. And that was sort of middle of recording the album, I think. And yeah. he's very instrumental in the writing and ready to go as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was like a proper band then, I guess. It was... Then it was a proper band. Yeah. Then it was like, right, let's go out and do proper gigs rather than because before we'd be touring around doing cream nights and playing with yeah. the grid and mm. very much that dance arena side mm-hmm. of it rather than the sort of the rock band set up, mm. the smaller rock band mm. club type things. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we did quite a bit of touring supporting various people. I can't remember. Yeah, because I guess you got lumped in with sort of a lot of the other female fronted bands at the time, like Garbage and Kinky yeah, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and then, yeah, Sleeper. Yeah, um, Sleeper. Ten, yeah, I mean, yeah, we did, yeah. once we had gone the band route, we did tend to get a lot more of the Britpop lumping in, came to. 
came to the fore, mm. which especially they'd use for promotion in the States. It's like Britpop Act, Republica yeah. in the States. It, it was very easy. It was lazy journalism, basically. But You didn't feel like a Britpop band? Well, we never felt like a Britpop band, no. <laughs> Playing on the same bill of suede, you'd, you'd, you'd see a hell of a difference between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, so, so Republica took a, a break, I think, but you're 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 touring again now, right? You're still playing. Yeah, well we, we took a ten year hiatus. Yeah. So we as, as the do. second album hadn't the second album we were rushed to finish it. Mm. And we were never particularly happy with it. Um Deconstruction was being sold to BMG at the time, and our figures for a second album were a large part of the financial valuation of the record company. Go away, doggy. And they oh, were very key lovely. for us to finish the album. So um, it, it was a struggle. We never really got it done. But then they wouldn't let us go. Um, yeah. We started work on a third album. We were delivering stuff. They go, go away, rots of all. Go away, rots of all. We're like, no, we like mm. these. We want to get something out. Yeah. Releases from the deal. So, and they wouldn't. It took us two and a half years of wrangling to get out of the deal with BMG, as it was by then. Mm. And we were dead in the water. I mean, like, mm. we hadn't gigged for two years. We had we had some material to put out, but we by that time, we couldn't find anybody to do it. So the momentum just yeah. had been lost. Yeah, the momentum had been lost, and to be honest, we were all a bit sick of the sight of each other. <laughs> yeah. It had been a very hard five years, and uh, yeah, five more than eight years, and we just thought, right, that's, right. we thought Safa, part of it was we wanted to go off and work with other people as well, and me and Johnny wanted to sort of give it a go at sort of writing and staying more in the background. Yeah. And we thought Safa had a better chance to go out and be Saffron on our own now. Mm. from Republica and she'd have a better chance to sell but yeah she never ended up working with the right people we did a few things that never really took off and yeah did a few jobs but then in 2009 um we thought we'd give it another go <laughs> mm, really? so 2010 we've started so we've been back together another 13 years well much longer than you were together in the first place Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess it's when there's no pressure and you're just doing it because you enjoy doing it, then it's it, it, it's got longevity, hasn't it? That's it. I mean, the thing is, it's not. We we've never signed to a label since. It's always been just about going out and doing the gigs. Yeah. Why not? And they have ramped up a lot over the past few years. It's mm. we're starting to come back into back into play, as it were. Nineties nostalgia, mate. It's it's, it's everywhere. Well, it's, it's... Yeah. Well. We'd still like to get on Rewind, but uh, they're still strictly 80s, only because they're my local sort of 80s festival. Yeah. There's a lot lot of... The thing is, they do put... Bands of our ilk do put bums on seats Mm. at festivals, especially the smaller... Oh, absolutely. Three to 5,000 type things. So there will be us, Top Loader, Feeder. Yeah. You see a lot of the same acts doing it, but there's... Will come out to see us, so we are still selling tickets. Yeah, people mm. still. And when we're not festivals across the summer, we're playing club gigs to sort of five six hundred. Mm. The rest of the yeah. year as well. Yeah, mm. we just a Republica. Not to. I mean, I work five days a week as a decorator. So, uh, <laughs> not really. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I have to. I have to be self-employed. So if we do have gigs, I can just like drop it for a day yeah, and bugger yeah. off. So, well, that's it. Yeah, be your own uh, boss. I'm one it's, of the best um, paid decorators you'll ever meet these days. <laughs> <laughs> are they a Republic of Planes showing on? I can't remember if they are or not. We did two years ago. Yeah, we did the. You're not playing it this year, though, no. No, no, we did Centre Stage two years ago, but yeah. uh, this year we're 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 not we're not doing it this year. No. You're strictly flowered Generally, up this year. Uh, it has been mooted. I'm like, they're dead, dudes. It's like the singer's <laughs> dead. The guitarist is dead. The two irreplaceable people in yeah, the band you can't. are dead. You can't. Yeah, you can't. can't do that. No, no, it's no. Like, why even attempt it? You just, yeah. That, that's against everything that we stood for, really, I think, really. Yeah, yeah, but you're yeah, bringing yeah. The, you're bringing the you're, you're representing the, you're representing for him. Yeah. We're representing and trying to make a body of work as best as it could be. I'm really, I mean, especially this live album. I think it really will. Yeah, I'm people, excited to hear that. Yeah, it's 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 got the energy. It's got the it's got everything that the the recorded works never really had, apart from yeah. weekend. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. All right, we've kept you way, way too long. We apologise. We do have one last question, Neil. Do you want to ask the uh, question we ask all of our yes. guests? So we always, yeah, we always ask our guests the same end question. If you could have been in any other band at that time, sort of early 90s, who would it have been and why? Underworld. <laughs> Underworld <go>. or Fluke? Because <laughs> they were just, the, they were really the music I was into. And Carl came on tour with us. Carl from Underworld, he was going out to Saffron for a while. He came on tour with us in the States for three weeks. Mm, and I was so jealous of the way they worked. It was just like, we do what we yeah. want. We go out, we do it. It was just like, and they, they, always, they always had that element of cool that we never had. So I was jealous from that level, but... But uh, but the music they produced was phenomenal, and I've always I've always looked up to Underworld. I still do now. Yeah, yeah, great band, great band, great answer, great answer. We usually ask where can people <laughs> find you on Instagram and stuff, and and where should, what should you what's coming up next, basically. Well, these days uh, I actually have another band, which is we're called Tin Gun. Tin Gun. Uh, mm. Tin Gun. Yeah, mm. we started up lockdown. Um, it's myself. Peter Steer, who's uh, comes from bands uh, Tenek and Signstar, he's guitar and vocals and mm. keyboards. Uh, Mark Truman from Signstar as well, and uh, Nick Hodges from a band called Psychoelectric as well. So we started sort of in lockdown, just sharing material over Dropbox and getting yeah. things together. We, got our first, we did our first festival appearance at Ninety Festival this year. We've got um, oh, gigs coming from South End and. And Taunton in November, but uh, wow. on that one, I I actually sing. I do. I sing on. A, oh wow! I, sing on a song. I play bass on two songs. I do the coding. I play keyboards. But it's Have just it's got... enough to do. It, it's like it's spit and sawdust. It's all just the lads back in the van, sort of going to play to fifty hundred people again. And it's bloody. Is there a website? Is there a website? Uh, oh. Yeah, Tingun Official would be on Facebook. Uh, Tingun Official on instagram i think there's probably a twitter as well um what kind of music is it um it's quite 90s if not verging oh. on a bit of 80s um yeah this sounds bit, like my kind of our influences on our sleeves it's because some of it's a bit new ordery some of it's a bit oh it sounds great electro um some of it's a bit dark some of it's a bit light it's it's a proper mixture nice. but um 
I like you it. Could, yeah, you've got Tin, Tin Gun. You can find us on Spotify. We've had a few releases out. There's Bandcamp as well. So. You know, I was going to on Bandcamp. That's my usual go-to place for, for that. Okay. There'll be an album of that. Also, there'll be a New Republica album. Which oh, wow. Which is coming wow. out. Uh, that will also be hitting the shelves around February, March next year. All new material. January, which has only taken us 17 years to complete. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's all new material. Wow. <laughs> it's all new material. Uh, well, I say new. One of them from there is from 97, I think. There's ones from, nine, oh, there's wow. one from 97. I mean, in my mind, that's like a couple of years 99. ago. So that's fair, you know. <laughs> and then there's other stuff yeah. we've written in the past 10 years as well. So. So uh, it's new, updated. They stood the test of time. So they is there a used. title? Uh, yeah, it's called Damaged Gods at the moment. At the moment, all right. Yeah, at the so moment it's new, Damaged Gods. New Flowered Up, New Republica and Tin Gun stuff. And Tin Gun. To go and really. And, well, and at the same time, I also mix and master other people's stuff. I've just finished an album with a chap called Eugene Summers, who's the drummer from a band called Tiny Magnetic Pets. Oh, uh, I'll send you that as well. That's, yes, uh, but you're going to have to give up the decorating. That's mate. Sunday morning. You'll have to listen. <laughs> I'll send you an. M- so we're only sending this out. The whole album is 51 minutes long. We're not sending out individual MP3s of the songs. We're sending out one yeah. MP3 of the entire 51 minutes, and you have to listen to it on a Sunday morning. That's yeah. and if anyone needs, if anyone Done. needs a decorator in the area, they can also. Yeah, if anyone uh, needs a decorator, well, no, you're too busy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dave, first time, well, you went in the interview, but it, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I say it every time, don't I? But it, it was a really good one. Um, enjoyed it. I was, <laughs> I was out. <laughs> we just say the same thing every time, don't we? <laughs> I listened to it all out on my dog walk yesterday using my open run shocks head rough headphones. You're what? You're what? You're open No, I'm just getting open? I've just got a deal to promote these headphones. <laughs> You're getting <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> open run headphones by Shucks. Those headphones look cool. Yeah. Are they new? Yeah. They just slip on and off like this. And you can run oh, and walk. Oh wow, they them. look so easy to use and stylish too. One no, the one of the quote he says early on, he he calls himself a middle class twat from Windsor. Yes, I thought that was that really well. funny, but yeah. you know, obviously, reveals his personality too. Yeah, it's all right if they call yeah. themselves that, isn't it? That kind of self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was a top bloke, right? And he was very understated guy. You know, obviously completely different to those characters, Liam mm. and his yeah. and his brother. But he obviously, mm. you know has a lot of affection for him. Yeah. But, you know, it's just seemed to get this kind of person that we're meeting like him, you know, mm. really nice guys, but they're obviously mm. serious, hardworking professionals, mm. right? Mm. Yeah. So that that's what I took from it. Yeah, I, I did as well. It, he's still really sort of passionate about the whole getting all the the old flowered out stuff remastered and out there. Well, you can it's tell he's like a real music guy, right? Yeah, mm. I love this setup. It's always good when you're in an interview and they're sitting in like a their own little studio, isn't it? Yeah, mm. that's yeah. cool. Yeah. One thing I was listening. Why don't Why don't you ask him how much money that song made him? 
That's what everyone wants to know. <laughs> it is true. It must have made them a fortune. Well, but he's he still works, so I don't know. Yeah, he's a painter and decorator. Mm. It's been in so many adverts and stuff. I guess it depends on the writing credits and how that's shared. I don't know. You can't ask people about money, man. We're, oh, we're, you're obsessed we're, we're with English. We don't talk about, about that kind money. of stuff. Yeah, I love you money, do. though. Me and Dave do. Dave oh, loves you money. You do, I know. But, uh, it's not, it's not, it's, hot, it's, it's not, right. It's not the done thing, is it? Don't fear money. <laughs> <laughs> it's what makes the world go round, my friend. I thought that was kindness. We wouldn't be able to do this podcast if we didn't have money to buy computers, would we? Well, we'd use the ones issued by the state. Yeah, I got, I got mine from work. <laughs> So did I. I did. <laughs> uh, I didn't realise pre-interview his link with Andy Weatherall. It just sounds like they're yeah, like that best was mates, great, pretty much. That was a great story. Uh, teaching yeah. uh, teaching Andrew Weatherall to use a sampler. Yeah, I didn't realise. Didn't know any of that beforehand. He sort of just brushed over it to start off with. Like, hang on, hang on. <laughs> best yeah. mates of Andy Weatherall. He's like a huge player in that that time. I thought I, I liked your little comment, which I often think when we in, interview people who play the keyboard, like Roddy Bottom and stuff, it's like it's not the obvious instrument to choose, is it? Like no, no one sort of goes, oh, I want to be a keyboardist in a band. But, you know, Brian Cox, famously, in D. Reef. Yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I don't know why more, more people don't play um, the old... What's Keita. it called? Yeah. Keita. Why wouldn't you do that if you're playing keyboards in a band? Just It looks pretty awkward to play, man. What's the left hand doing? That. Just a waste of a hand, isn't it? <laughs> it's just completely pointless. <laughs> I know, yeah, I don't know what that bit does. That, that sort of, that must do something. Maybe the left hand is playing chords. Like you Maybe, can have... yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but he, he was talking about how... Um, He's, he's quite busy sort of remastering all the old flowered up stuff. He said that there's mm. a, a double vinyl coming out. Yeah, it's exciting. Three enemy covers before they released anything. Yeah, how's that come about? Probably connections. Smash, or what, when we were talking to Ed from Smash, they, they had quite a few sort of front covers, didn't they? And they weren't like a, a huge band. No, yeah. but when I when I um, read the Simon Williams book, uh, the Fierce Panda guy, um, oh. the record label Fierce Panda, so he was working for the NME at the same time as he was starting Fierce Panda. So he was like right. championing championing the new wave, yeah. the new wave band. So he was like, you know, trying to get them on the cover as much as possible, not for his own, you know, no, not no, no. sell his own records, just because he he loved those bands and he wanted to, you know, to get them on the cover. I'm not saying like nepotism, but you know, someone that no. gets behind your cause or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm um, going back to the the similar, well, the comparisons with the Happy Mondays. Well, they had their own. It didn't really talk about it much. I brought it up, but we didn't really talk about it. They had their own best Barry Moon cult. He was called <laughs> Barry Moon yeah. cult. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And he was just a guy who danced around like Bez did, with but he had like a flower. They used to dress him up as like a flower sort, sort oh, of thing. Ah, flowered up. Right, right, right. Yeah. Very similar story to Bez. I think he just got up one gig, the first gig, and started dancing on the stage. And they said, oh, well, I quite like that. We'll, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what happened with the Mondays as well. So. I was thinking about Luke's dog called Bez. Do you remember? Yeah. It was quite a good yeah. name for a dog. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better than yours. What's your dog called? Otto. I mean, it's a, it's a bit it's a bit of a pretentious name, isn't it? It's Well, we were specifically looking for a palindromic name. So it limits <laughs> your options. <laughs> Wasn't there a girl at school that her whole name was was palindromic? Well, which one? Well, I don't want to say it because you can't. I don't want to say someone's someone's name without their permission. But her whole her full name was a complete palindrome. Say it. At least then we can check if it's palindromic. You're not talking shit. It's a pointless conversation, otherwise, isn't it? If you're not going to tell us. Well, if I say it, then you'll know the name because then you can work well, it out. If you don't say it, what are we going to do? Well, just say there was a girl. Just believe me. Just say there was a girl at school that had a palindromic right. name. Just believe me. Okay. Take my word for it. All right. Fucking hell. Thank Jesus. you. Yeah, the, the whole flowered up story was, it was, it was quite short lived. Um, I just did that yeah, I thought it was really interesting. In, he was talking about, you know, how it was difficult to kind of, it was diff- it wasn't it was difficult but it wasn't difficult to kind of walk away from the band because he knew he had to do it so it wasn't difficult in that sense but um yeah it can't have been easy right no I, I, you know when a band's successful and and good it's yeah. not yeah it can't be an easy decision and i thought it's interesting that republic has started out as, as a purely a dance band i didn't know that yeah and not really a band was it it, it was just like Originally, it was just like one track that he was collabing with. I can't remember who he said it was now. Mm, um, playing clubs and, they and just stuff. Need, yeah. And they just needed a singer. And that was, and they got Saffron. And then they thought, well, this is pretty cool. So maybe this has got some legs. And I thought it's interesting um, the way he said, you know, they, he, think, he said we were the band that said yes. Um, yeah, I've got that. I, I kind of respect that, you know, just like fuck, fuck being cool. Just, I do, yeah. yeah. Do everything. Do the party in the park. Do the mm. car advert. Do everything, man. Do everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I guess when you've been in a band like Flowered Up that were quite cool, you know, it's quite cool, then you've done that already, haven't you? So yeah, you haven't got anything to prove as such, have you? So fuck it, just make some money. I thought you didn't like making money. <laughs> I'm not no I'm not against making money. I'm just not comfortable talking about it. <laughs> you brought it up. I didn't. You did. You said that they said yes to everything. So they I could was get some money. saying about the philosophy of, of, of anti cool. No, I'm not nothing else. Well, we know what you were implying. Um, well yeah, on, on money, you know, they he said they turned down half a million just to stay yes. a couple of days in America. So fuck. Mm. Don't That's regret mad, that. Not something I would do. <laughs> no, no. Luke, Luke, Luke will claim that he would, but he wouldn't. I'd read just. I'd redistribute it in my socialist utopia. <laughs> of course, you would. <laughs> you would. <laughs> That is it for this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're watching, please do like, subscribe. Let us know if you've seen the I Am Weekender documentary yet and what you thought about it. It's definitely worth a watch. Or just let us know any if you went and saw Flowered Up. We didn't get to see them live. I think you'd have had to be quite lucky uh, to go and see them live, to be honest. They, didn't, they weren't around for long. So let us know in the comments if you went to see them. If you're listening, rate, review, do all those things that it asks you to do. It just helps other people find the podcast. 
Luke mixtape. Yeah, there's some some good stuff on there. There's really cool. Um, he mentions at the end his kind of side band, Tingan. Um, they got a great cover of um, "I Feel You" Depeche Mode, uh, which is on Spotify, oh, nice. which I which I uh, put on the on the mixtape, um, which is good. Um, put a bit of um, bit of the Cure, bit of um, Chesney. Uh, <laughs> no, no Chesney. Um, yeah, some kind of good kind of early eighties kind of electro gothy stuff on there. So yeah, so it's looking good so far. I haven't finished it, but yeah, it's shaping up nicely. Good. Um, oh, next week's a wang. I hadn't even, I'd have forgotten all about it. We've got a wang next week. It's going to be wangtastic. You wang what? You wang, you wang want to miss it. <laughs> Good one. Well done. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't a good one in any sense of the word. Wang you in a minute. No. No. That's not. No. We're not having that, Dave. Do it properly. See you in a minute.